Good morning, church. Good to see all of you here today. If you have your Bibles, find your place in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. If you're a guest with us here today, I'm Pastor Mike. Welcome to our 1030 service this August summer Sunday morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice and are glad in it, and I'm glad you're here with us. And I hope that you'll um, join what Brother Todd said. I want to say also, Harvest Sunday is a special day. Uh, and I hope you'll, uh, you'll join us in filling the house. Let's fill the house. Bring your friends. Bring your friends. Let's have a, uh, some time together. Saturday, Saturday before we have Harvest Sunday, we call you out. We need all of you to join us. Last uh, time we had Harvest Food, when we served uh, our uh, giving to the community and we served over a thousand people. This is a very important thing in our community. We need your help. There's a lot of things that go into unloading trucks, putting food out all over the gym and giving it to hundreds and hundreds of people, families and children and adults in all kinds of conditions. You come and be with us Saturday and then bring your friends, come back up. And uh, we're challenging all of you who are members of this church to find your area of ministry. And so we'll have a ministry fair. A lot of you are new. You don't know what all we do as a church. This will be your chance to, to sign up and to find your place of service. We need you in serving the Lord, using your spiritual gifts for God. Great day. It'll be a special time. And I'm looking forward, Lord willing, to seeing you next week. Saturday, we do our harvest giveaway, our food giveaway to our community. And then we'll be together for the morning and celebrate together and uh, enjoy ourselves and bring our friends so that they might meet us. Luke chapter 19 is where we are today. There's something going on in Luke 19. The Lord Jesus is about to, he is making his way to Jerusalem and will soon be on the cross. As he's making his way to Jerusalem, we find him uh, through these chapters. Luke gives us now these stories on his way to Jerusalem. The Lord is just about to enter Jerusalem. The triumphal entry is found in this chapter where the Lord comes and they the people cry out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But before that, he's on his way, going along through some of the smaller areas, and he meets up with a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, chapter number 19, he's a rich man, and he's a tax gatherer. He's known for being a cheat and a liar and a thief. And yet he'd heard about Jesus, so he climbs the tree because he's very small. He climbs the tree, and there he meets and sees Jesus, and the Lord Jesus stops and says to him in verse 5, this is Luke 19, 5, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. The Lord Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus the thief's house. Well, there were others who were there. They're always there. They're always among those who are seeking to follow God, the critics and the gripes and the complainers, the cynics and the mockers. And they saw what the Lord Jesus said and heard it. In verse 7, uh, they all began to grumble, 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 grumble. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. He's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped Well, he comes down the tree. He's walking with the Lord Jesus on the road. And already he's had a change of heart. He's, had, he's met the Lord Jesus. In what we would describe, he's been saved. He's been changed. 
And now he expresses his change by his acts of repentance. He says to the Lord, by the way, not in private, but among the crowd, as they're making their way to his house. Lord, this is verse 8, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And he was rich. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, which he had, I will give back four times as much. And the Lord Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house. You've been saved. You've been saved. You've met me. You now have a relationship with me. And what have you done? You've repented of your sinfulness. You've turned around and started to live a new way. And the Lord reminds us, He reminded all of those people and reminds us again today, His mission, His business, you listen to my words carefully, His business that God the Father sent Him to do. For the Son of Man has come. Here's my business. To seek and to save that which was lost. While, verse 11, while they were listening to these things, all of this going on, the crowd, Jesus went on to tell a story, a parable. Because He was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. That is because the Lord Jesus was here and they saw Him as Messiah. The crowds did and they were celebrating and they were in awe. So the kingdom of God is about to come <clears throat> because Jesus is here. So He said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten mina, mina, and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business, please notice the word, second time it's used, business they had done. The first slave appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You're to be in authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Your mina master has made five minas. And he said to him also, And you are to be over five cities. And another came saying, Master, here's your mina which I kept away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you not know <clears throat> that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why do you not put my money, why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. Then he said to the bystanders, Take the mina away from him and give it to the one 
who has the ten minas. <clears throat> now the Lord gives us the lesson. I tell you, is everyone listening now? Is everyone listening? Here the Lord speaks to us. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does not have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Heavenly Father, we have much to learn from this story of the Lord Jesus. It is as timely as can be. We ask that today, by your grace and mercy, you might speak to our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace to hear. We pray that you would forgive us of our sins so that we might receive your word today as fresh and new to us today. Give us, this, give us an ability not to be distracted for just a little while so that we might concentrate on what you've said. Lord, we ask today that you would be with the least of these all around us, those who we'll see it this next week, who don't have enough to eat, and those who are struggling to get by. And we think of children in all kinds of desperate conditions. We pray for the foster children who are in foster care. We pray for other children who are neglected and abused today. We pray for them that they might be protected. You are the father of the fatherless. We count on it and know and believe you will take care of them in miraculous ways and protect them from evil. We ask that you would open the heart of this church and that every person who's a part, who's a member of this church, a believer in Christ, would put aside their hard-heartedness, their cynicism, their silliness, and find ministry to do for you, carry out your business, because you are coming quickly. May there be an urgency in our hearts. May there be in us a desire, a fresh desire to step forward and say, I'm ready to serve, Lord. What do you want me to do? Now help us to understand your word today by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our focal truth today is this, and it's very important for you to hear this now. <clears throat> this is the teaching of our Lord. Believers will be rewarded for doing the business of the Lord. Believers will be rewarded for doing the business of the Lord. Now, whose business are you doing? You come in here today, whose business are you doing? Are you here today? And well, Pastor Mike, I'm a busy man. I'm a busy man. I have lots to do. I have lots to look over. I have lots of things to take care of. Some of my dear friends, sisters here. Well, Pastor Mike, I'm busy. You have no idea what it means to be busy. You're a man. You can't even appreciate it. I'm a busy person. I'm moving. I'm hurrying and flurrying. Why, I barely have any time to sleep. I'm busy. Yes, you are. And what are you busy doing? What is it that you are wearing yourself out doing? What is it that you're spending all your time and resources on? Is it your business or is it the Lord's business? I have three observations for you based on these words. Number one, believers must do the Lord's business until He returns. 
We'll see it in just a moment in the story. Number two, believers who do the Lord's business will be rewarded when He returns. And then number three, unbelievers who refuse Christ's Lordship will be judged when He returns. There is an urgency in my heart today. There is a urgency I believe that we must live with because of the times in which we live. I would not be being truthful to the Word of God if I did not speak it this way, so understand my heart. I love you, but I have an urgency, and so I want to exhort you today. And I want you to hear it and listen carefully to our Lord's words. First, believers must, please notice my points. I'm trying to be very careful in what I say. Believers, I'm trying to reflect what I believe the Lord is trying to teach us from this story. You see, believers must do the Lord's business until He returns. We must do His business. Let's read it here. Verse number 12. A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. This is the story. It's the story of a nobleman who's going to receive his kingdom. He's going to be crowned or he's going to be anointed or he's going to be uh, institutionalized as a king over some region. He goes to the place to be made king, and then he will return. He's gone to be made king, and then he's going to return. As we read, he calls together his slaves to do something while he's going to be gone. Verse 13, he called ten of his slaves, and he gave them minas, that is, not minnows, minnows. I know we're in the country, minnows, and they're not talking about fishing. Not talking about fishing. Minnows. Minnows equal a hundred days' wages. Do your math. They, they equal a hundred days' wages. He gave them pay. He paid them ahead of time. And then he said, Notice, here's our call out. Here's what the Lord's saying. Are you listening? This is for you today. This is why you came to church. Listen. Do business with this until I come back. Do business with this until I come back. So we're called to do the Lord's business. That's why I ask you, whose business are you doing? Well, what was it? The Lord Jesus may be 12 years old. 12 year old. Do any 12-year-olds in here right now? Raise your hand if you're a 12-year-old. There's one that raised his hand quickly. 12-year-olds. And the Lord Jesus has gone to the festival with His mother and father and all their family. They've gone in their caravan, not in a van, a literal caravan van. They went in a caravan of their horses and animals. And they go together the journey of the days to get to Jerusalem. 12 years old, our Lord Jesus... 12-year-olds, boys and girls, Jesus was once a boy or a boy and a child like you are. Teenagers, he was once a teenager like you are. He knows what it's like. He was once a young man like many of you young ones who are in here today. He knows what it's like. So here he is and they've... I'm sure Mary and Joseph were very busy that day. They had a lot of things to do. After all, they had to get back home. So they're on their way back, and lo and behold, a day or so into the journey back, Mary says, where in the world is Jesus? Where is Jesus? 
Is he, is, he in, is he with you? Is he with you? Where is Jesus? They cannot find the Lord Jesus. They make their way back to Jerusalem and they make their way back to the temple and there, out there in those beautiful places around Herod's temple, they find the Lord, 12-year-old, sitting with the greatest of the rabbis and the doctors of the law. Asking questions and talking to them. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Now, the Lord's mother was a little bit upset. But the Lord said, now are you listening? Mother, why were you worried about where I was at? I must be about my father's business. Are you about the Lord's business? We've got lots of priorities. We've got lots of financial goals. We've got lots of business goals and endeavors. We've got lots of things to do with our children and our families. Are you about the Lord's business? For some of you who are more studied in this room and you like to know these things, well, the Greek word here for doing business that he uses, pragmatikos, pragmatikos. Be pragmatic, he says to his slaves. Be pragmatic, which the Greek word is two words, which means do deeds. Go make money with the money I've given you. Go do business. Go do business. Take what I give you and multiply it. I remind you today that that's what the Lord's work is about. Harvest Sunday will be a day for us to thank God for those who have done the Lord's business in the past, in this church, who have been faithful in the Lord's work, and we will celebrate together what it is to do the Lord's business. You see, believers must do the business of the Lord until He comes. I'm not talking to you so you can tell your neighbor to go do God's business, the Lord's business. I'm talking to you. I'm asking you personally. I'm challenging you today. Are you doing the Lord's business? He is a way. It's your responsibility to do it. You must take personal responsibility. You see, the, the boss wasn't there to look over how they did their business. He gave them the responsibility and he left to come back king. And he said, while I'm gone, do business. Be responsible. Get my business done. Believers, we've been called. Go make disciples. Go do my business. Do my business until I come. That is to seek the lost and bring them to Jesus. I've said to this church, and I will continue to repeat, empty chairs in this church house are a statement of those who have not been invited. Fill this house. Fill this house. Go get your friends. Bring the stranger. Help them come so that they might experience the worship of God the Word of God, the fellowship with God's people, it is our business. Go make disciples. When people come to Christ, what do we spend years doing here? Making disciples out of people who come to Christ. And I promise you, as one who does it, it takes a long time to develop a fully developed disciple. Get to work. Get, to, get, get busy. Do the work of the Lord. Seek the lost. Bring them to Jesus. Make disciples. Give our money. 
the Lord said, give your money so that you'll be welcomed and thanked in heaven for what you give. How much is enough, my friends? What do we do with our resources? Oh, I've got a lot of business endeavors I have to do with my work. And what will that be, my friend? Somebody else will have that when you're gone. But when you do the work of the Lord, there's a glorious, wonderful thing about it. The Lord always takes care of those who do His work. We have a responsibility to go and do good deeds. What did Peter say? The Lord Jesus went about doing good. Are you doing good? Are you doing the deeds? Are you doing the deeds in the name of the Lord Jesus? Wherever you find yourself, are we seeking more? Are we teaching more? Are we discipling more? Are we doing it in the morning? Are we doing it at noon? Are we doing it at night? Is there any fervor? Is there any passion in us because we've been given this responsibility? The Lord has said to every Christian in this room, whether you're young or old, whether you think you have abilities or gifts or not, do my work until I come. The old hymn, I, I don't believe we've ever sung it since I've been here. We'll work till Jesus comes. I sung it all my life growing up. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. And we'll be gathered home. What do I do during this time? I get busy doing Jesus' work. That's what I spend my time on. I don't do as much about my own things because you know what I find? The more I work for the Lord, the more He takes care of my business for me. Hallelujah. He is a providing God. What has Brother Jeff helped us to see today? God is faithful to those who do the Lord's business. Number two, believers who do the Lord's business will be rewarded when He comes. Now we go to the story here. We go to the story. Verse 15, when he returned, when this now king returns, he calls the slaves in. They're going to have a business meeting. Boy, Baptists like that. We're going to have a business meeting. And they call the meeting together. Everybody bring in your, bring in your money sheet. Bring in your sales goals. Bring in your, what did you do? How much money did you make while I was gone? He calls the slaves together. And again, the word is there. The same word, pragmatikos. He calls them in so that he might know what business they had done. You see, you're doing something right now. And one day you're going to stand before the Lord and tell him what you're doing right now. That's right. That's what you're going to bring before the Lord. Not going to be a smoking light show. It's not going to be mirrors and tricks. And you're going to stand there as a believer before the Lord Jesus. I'm speaking to you about reality now. You're going to stand before the Lord Jesus, whom you have said, He is my Lord. And you're going to say, Lord, here's what I've done with all the days you gave me. Here's what I did. Here's how I spent my time. Will it be that it'll be nothing but you telling and seeing and revealed from, by the Lord that you've done nothing but be self-serving, self-centered, focused on yourself and not on others? Or will it be a glorious time like these first two slaves? Here, I had 10, I've doubled it. Here, I had five, I've doubled it. I've been faithful to do the work that you've called me to do. You see, there is a matter here that the Lord says. You've been faithful. Notice this. Well done, verse 17. Good 
slave. You've been faithful in a very little thing. You say, Pastor Mike, who am I? I don't, I, I don't have any real gift. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You have everything you need. You are gifted by the Holy Spirit. Now you go to work. You go to work. You don't tell everybody else at church to go to work. You go to work. And you figure out in your own world that the Lord has placed you in here in this area. You figure out what your work is to do. And you join the rest of us if you're a part of this church. And we do the Lord's work as a church. And we keep doing it until He comes. We work in the day. We work in the night. We work when we're sick. We work when we're healthy. We work when we can barely make it. We work when we're overwhelmed. We work. We work. We put our heads down and work. And Paul says to us in Romans 14, 12, So each one of us will, be, will give an account of himself to God. He says again, as I've, I've spoken to you before, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us who are believers. Everyone who hears my voice today, if you're a believer in Christ, you will stand one day before the judgment seat of Christ. Not to determine if you're saved, but to give an evaluation for the business that you did on the earth. You see, faithfulness is the key to good business. We have some very accomplished business people in our church and I respect them very much. But you know, good business is not done in the flash Flash of the moment, being fancy. You know the best businesses and the best business people are just faithful. They just do it every day, whether it's a good day or a bad day, whether they make any, whether they lose it, you just keep on going. Faithfulness, you know what? You know what makes a good marriage? Faithfulness. Pat and I have been married, thank God, almost 50 years. She's put up with me almost 50 years. Thank God for that. You know what a marriage is all about? It's being faithful. It's being faithful. You know, You've got children. Some of you have little children. One day you're going to have big grown children like I have. And I have a little plaque in my office. If you're wondering where I am, just look for my children and you'll find me. It never changes. Hallelujah. Praise God for the children He's given you. God designs it. They are a gift from God to you. Listen to me now. Faithfulness is what you need in bringing up your children, in rearing your children. Faithfulness. You do it when they're young. You think, oh boy, it's going to be better when they're primaries. No, it's not. You're going to do it when they're primaries. You're going to be when they're students. Well, then what are you going to do? You're going to keep being faithful. You're going to be faithful. You know what it is at church? You know what it is to be a Christian who's spirit-filled? It's being faithful. It's being, you open the Word of God every day. You read God's Word for yourself. Well, Pastor Mike, I've got to go to work. I don't, I don't have the time you have. I've got to go to work. Well, then get up earlier. Well, I got little kids that are always crying. Get up earlier. Go to bed later. Spend, you know what faithfulness is in the Christian life? It leads to a spirit-filled, joyful life. If you don't put in the time, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, no wonder you're so sad. No wonder you're so miserable. No, no wonder you're so hard to get along with. Faithfulness in our life. You see, here's what we hear here. When you do the Lord's business on earth, you get paid double in heaven. Did you just hear what the preacher said? When you do the Lord's work on earth, you get paid double in heaven. Payday's coming 
for every faithful believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I could go on, but I must finish and not leave this last point out. Unbelievers who refuse Christ's Lordship will be judged when He returns. Now listen to me, folks. There is no popularity in the modern church for what I'm about to talk about. It amazes me that people can watch all kinds of horrible things on television and the movies and on their phones or whatever else. But when it comes to these truths from the Word of God, Christians seem what to kind of blush and say, well now, that's just some over-emotion and exaggeration that Jesus was giving. Is it really? No, it's everywhere. You see, all through these stories, we've had warnings of this. Listen, grace is good, but there's judgment on those who refuse the grace of God. God's mercy is wonderful, but His judgment on sin is real and will happen. Over and over, we've seen this in the stories. And now we read these words. We read these words that describe the condition of the world today. Verse 14. We do not want this man to reign over us. The vast majority of the people on this planet do not care anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not believe anything about the Lord Jesus Christ to be risen from the dead, ascended to heaven and coming again. They reject it. They reject a God. They reject the Bible. We do not want God to reign over us. We are in charge of our lives. We'll do whatever we want, live however we want, believe whatever we want. We will not have this man reign over us. And then when the king returns, he says these sobering words, verse 27, bring the enemies before me and slay them. Read your Bible, slay them in my presence. There is a dreadful day coming of the judgment of God that is as real as you sitting in this room today hearing my voice. The Word of God continues to repeat it. I'm not saying it because I have glee in it. I'm not saying it because I have joy in it. I'm saying it because this is what drives us to work. This is what causes us to go to the ends of the earth, to knock on our neighbor's door, to hand a tract to somebody at, at our job, or to go and help somebody in their pain. We do it all because those who do not bow their knees and say Jesus as Lord and believe in Him will go to a devil's hell and perish forever. Oh, the dreadful words. Bring them here and slay them in my presence. Now I want you to turn quickly in your Bibles and I want you to mark these words. Some of you know them, but if you know them, then read them again with me. Others of you don't have these marked in your Bible. Second Thessalonians, I want you to go to the back of your New Testament for just a moment. I'm a little bit beyond my time, but just let me finish this. Second Thessalonians chapter number one. Second Thessalonians chapter number one. Paul begins to talk to these believers about what's going to happen at the end of time. 2 Thessalonians 1.7, he says, speaking to these Christians who were in great affliction, brought upon them by unbelievers in the world, he will give relief to you who are afflicted. I'm, I'm in 2 Thessalonians 1.7. 2 Thessalonians 1.7, mark it in your Bible. He will give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven 
with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution, repayment, to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. I'm going to read the words again. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. You see, when the Lord Jesus returns, the awful, dreadful judgment of God will come upon the world in the coming of the Lord Jesus. When the Lord returns, those who refuse to believe in Him will be judged and destroyed. Let me read it to you from Luke 13. You don't have to turn there. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open up to us, then He will answer you. This is Luke 13, 25 and following. I do not know where you are from. I do not know where you are from and depart from me all you evildoers. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you're on the outside of the door. When you haven't been welcomed in. When you have no part with God's people because you will not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That place will be a place of weeping, gnashing of teeth. You will see, you will see heaven, but you'll be in hell. The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell, seeing in heaven the joys and pleasures and glory of being with God, but he was in torment forever. If anyone's name is not found in the book of life, he will be thrown into the lake of fire. The dreadful and glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ will bring the final judgment of God upon the lost dead of every generation and those living in unbelief during the time of His return. Now I ask you to turn finally to Revelation chapter 19. We will allow the Word of God to speak as I finish this section. What am I saying? Unbelievers who refuse Christ's Lordship will be judged when He returns. Revelation 19, beginning in verse number 11. Read the Word of God with me. The Word of God can explain itself. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beast and the king and the kings of the earth, and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Bring them here and slay them in my presence. You see, there is a great white throne judgment which follows Revelation 19. And the great white throne is that place where all the dead lost will be judged and they will experience the second death. Oh, it won't be just dying one time. It will be dying a second time, which is an eternal death. A death without end. A death without end. And so the king came back. First he left. And he gave his slaves business to do. Do my business until I return. When he came back, he said to his slaves who were doing his business, Now come in here and show me what you have. What do you have for all the business you have done? And those who would not submit to his lordship as ruler, they were slayed in his presence because he is the sovereign Lord. So what do we remember today? These are sobering words. These are words that must challenge us. All I'm doing is preaching the story the Lord Jesus told. I carry around with me, I have it for many years carried it, a poem. And it is the first statement I give you for things to remember today. Number one, listen to old Pastor Mike today. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Now listen to these words. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way. Bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Only one life. You have only one life. The life you have right now. This is your life. Only one life. Twill soon be past. You won't be living forever. You won't be the age you are forever. You're getting older every day. You're older today than you've ever been. You're older today than you've ever been. 
Your days are numbered like mine. You have so many days to live and only God knows your death day even though you might know your birthday. Listen to me now. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. If you've been born again, get busy for Jesus. Do the Lord's business until He comes. Just keep working. Lord, I'm exhausted. Keep working. Ask for strength. Ask for power. Ask for help. You see, that's why, listen, that's why we all do the work, the work of the Lord together as a church. That's why we do this. You don't want to do it so you can be proud and say, look what all I do for God. No, look what all we have done for the Lord. This is what we do. This is why we work together. I'm asking you, whose business are you doing? Whose business are you doing today? You see, the way you serve the Lord makes all the difference. And faithfulness in doing the Lord's business produces great spiritual good here and also a blessing in heaven. When the Lord returns, though, I'm working. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to go early. I'm going to go late. I'm going to do seven days a week as much as I can do because those who do not know Christ will go to the place we just talked about. Do you not care? I mean, do you not care? <laughs> Is that as if you say, boy, I'm sure glad, man, praise God. Boy, I'm in and my family's in. Shame on you. Shame on you. That's not the way we live. You see, we've been left with business to do. And the Lord knows exactly what you're doing right now with what He's left in your hands to do. He's gifted you. He's graced you. He's blessed you. He's put you in this place so that you might grow with others. It's time to get busy. It's time to strengthen the things that remain. And it's time to go to the highways and hedges and fill this house and begin to share with others the gospel and train those who come to Christ to be disciples. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. To everyone who has. Here's what I have, Lord. This is me at the judgment seat and you. Here's what I have. This is the spiritual work I've done for you. To him who has, more will be given. But to the one who does not have, the one who does not have, even what he does not have will be taken away. To the praise of the glory of his grace. I'm not using rhetoric. I mean it. I believe it with all my heart. The Lord Jesus is near to the door. He is coming. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.